You know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio. We're in the uh, Beverly Hills studio today. We have a great guest coming up in a little bit. We have the uh, style editor, Condonest Traveler, Zuckerman, uh, Matt Heranik. Heranik? Uh, That's the first question. How do I pronounce your last name, Matt? Matt was on this uh, Elange and Sonia uh, trip with me in Italy. I know you're on the way to Italy as well. And uh, he walked up to me and said, I'm the guy who wrote the book, A Man and His Watch. This guy right here. And I wow. said, let me shake your hand, sir. This this book that's been all over uh, Instagram that Bill gave, I think he gave us all a copy, right? Or maybe it was just Jerry and I. I think he may have left you out of that one. <laughs> but <laughs> I was thrilled to hang out with him. And uh, you know, every night we'd be at a dinner. He'd like give the give, give the uh, cigar eye to each other, and then we'd get up. And we could smoke cigars, get out of this like three hour dinner, and sit in the back and smoke cigars with the guys and talk watches and talk cars. And he's going to uh, announce plans for something new he's got going on in the mm. show. So, uh, interesting guest. Before that, though, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the order of how these shows are going to air. I was down at the Porsche Experience Center the the day you missed. I know. I know. That show was posted. I'm sure uh, fans have been giving you a hard time. I told them to let you have it for missing that day, for packing for your trip. <laughs> I had, I actually had business I to, to. That's like something my wife would say. I can't come to the Porsche event. I got to pack for a trip. What the hell are you bringing that you need to pack for a trip? I don't really know, but I think I also needed to go to the office and actually do some business. And, and it's my, Saturday. I understand, but you realize, and you, like everybody else, probably gets a special pair of stupid vacation shorts and your vacation shirt and your flip-flops. I, I like to do that these days in the hotel gift shop that I'm going to. I really like to look like a fool. So. Right. So, but I don't like to bring the foolish clothes. I like to buy them That's and good be point. the fool. That's there. a good point. Right. I felt that I needed to like somehow rush. Like this, <laughs> I don't know what this syndrome is, where you feel like you have to do extra things before you go on vacation. So you're extra busy beforehand, and then you're extra busy afterwards. So why even bother going? Yeah, you, you do. You're right. There is a, a mania that you get yes. before you go on vacation that it's completely unnecessary because these days, wherever you go, most places, except maybe on an African safari, most places there's a gap. And there's a store where you can get everything you want. Now, I just went to Milan. You can't guess what people are wearing in Milan until you get there and see what they're wearing. That's a uh, that's a Blazers shirt and jeans on bikes with no helmets type it's, of place for guys. You know what I love? When, when I go to Italy, I always love their look. But if you try to replicate their look and bring it home, you look like a clown. Yeah. No, you're right. You got it, but you can wear it there. You can I bought, wear it there. I bought the greatest shirt. So uh, to, for the for the uh, the concor was the the Villades Concorso de Villades. I wanted a crazy Italian shirt, and right there in the hotel gift shop was this this blue shirt. You can see it in my famous uh, Enzo Ferristini photograph yes. on Instagram. I'm wearing that shirt. I could not have been more happy. You were in the Ermini. 
at that time? I was uh, no, this was not in the Ermini. This <laughs> is where I'm sitting in the cafe, <laughs> and there was a picture snapped of me. And you can look at this shirt because I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it was 80 degrees out, and this shirt was just breathing wonderfully, and it had this this pop. I will never wear this shirt again. There's right. no other place in the world to wear that shirt. But I got a good price on this shirt, and I put it on under a blue and you, blazer, and I was and, happy for like 10 in. minutes. You fit in because in Italy, people – the men will take to something for the season. They will have a common theme of what I they're didn't, all By the way, I did not feel like I fit in. That really? was a group of swells with multimillion-dollar cars, and really I was just the uh, the hobo-like guest. You know, I, I wonder if you'll indulge me. You don't have to. I just love the story about the toy car. <laughs> uh, I think that I think that people listening, our friends that are listening, well, this I, is such a great, <laughs> funny story that really summates our passion well, in, in small about about the cars. Well, I want to have uh, you know Alan Decadene, the famous race car driver, and and British Bon Vivant yeah, bon was with us, seventy five years old. I want to have him on the podcast. I invited him on the podcast, so he's going to come, and we're going to talk about this. But we were we were all sitting at this grand table, this very long table on the first night and in front of us were these beautiful blue uh, watch boxes or jewelry boxes with a key that was embossed with your initials on it, SF, EF for my wife, you know, and a very nice presentation. You open the box and inside were five very expensive uh, my wife noticed the stock, the card stock, these five cards with beautiful old cards on them, each representing the course of the meal we were having. Wow. And a one uh, colon 43, uh, 143 die cast model of someone had really picked some beautiful cars, Ferraris, you know, just the right cars. And I got this, I don't even remember what it was. It was an old Mercedes F1 car. It was the W16419, uh-huh. I, I, I don't know. Something from the 50s. Something from the 50s, but I was engaged in, no, 40s, I think. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I was engaged in conversation, not really paying attention. And Alan is uh, two, two, two people away chatting with me and chatting with my wife. And he's, he's looking at my car. And then about an hour into the mill, he says, you know, uh, he goes, Spike, you know, I, I really love that car. And he tells – and what's great about Alan is he tells this, like, really beautiful story about the car, the history of the car. He's one of these guys like Leno or Jerry with Porsches who's just got that – really can paint a beautiful picture, Right. And I, and I have this whole new appreciation for this car. And he goes, you know, I, I, it's so beautiful. I find myself wanting it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, that, that's fine. I don't have a real attachment to this car. Well, we can trade. And he goes, no, I have this other Mercedes W blah, blah, blah. I'd like to keep both. <laughs> and I said, well, Alan, that's not, that's not how it works. You know, and he goes, well, well, Two for you know. me, none for you. <laughs> exactly. In his world, it works that way. And he said, well, tell you what, he goes, this weekend, I'm sure there'll be something else that comes up, Porsche, and, and, and I'll give you that then. And I said, well, no, we'll trade then when you find that, because I'm now doing all the mental <laughs> calculations in my head. I'm like, I don't, I don't think they have a memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, they don't have a memorabilia par, you know, room in the Concorso Villa d'Este. And uh, my wife says, just give him the car. Give him the pen, Jerry. Give him the pen. Give him the car. I go, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. No. no, I really like this car, especially since he wants it. An hour goes by. I, Matt and I go to smoke cigars. It's our first night. We're smoking cigars. We're with the gang, a couple of writers there, Hodinky writer, and we're having fun. We're chatting. He comes to say goodnight. Uh, he's a little tipsy. Says goodnight. Very nice to meet you. We look forward to spending the weekend with you. And uh, 
have you thought about the car? <laughs> and he's not joking. And I go, yeah, I have thought. You all right? Look, you could you could have the car. And he goes, what? Then he said, well, I don't, I don't want it right now. And I go, yeah, you do. And I, and I said, let me go get the car. And he goes, no. He goes, you give me the car tomorrow and we'll make a deal. And then he completely forgot about it. So I, I don't know if he was drunk or not drunk or – Fantastic. But, but, Alan, that's not how it works. You've got to trade right at the table. It would have been great because there were some beautiful cars around that table. And I could tell everybody was – you know, they loved their car. But there were some trades to be Two made there. Two for me, none for you, Ferris. <laughs> Two for me, none for you. He, <laughs> by the way, had just crashed on a motorcycle. So – you know, Alan, you know, we have so many friends that know this guy. I've never really hung out with him and met him. He's, he's a delightful guy. His wife is wonderful. And uh, he says, uh, he goes, I'm not myself. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I was uh, riding motorcycles out your way in Los Angeles on the way to Angeles Crest. And I'm like, oh, oh, right. And he goes, yeah, it's on the... On the 134, and then I woke up in a hospital. <laughs> like, they don't mean? say the hospital. They say hospital. Woke <laughs> up in, in hospital. hospital. I woke up in hospital. <laughs> I said, what do you, what do you mean? And he goes, what, were you riding one of those, like, upright mailman BMW things? He goes, no, uh, Ducati Pulse Smart. And I was like, go, Al, you're 75. You're 70. He goes, right. You know, he's one of these old racers. Land Rover Zuckerman just crosses over the yellow line, taps him. He's out. Doesn't even remember it. The guy he was riding with saw the car, didn't get a plate. Uh, wow. A couple of broken ribs. Lucky to be alive. Now uh, now seems to be really, you know, thinking about the larger, his own mortality for the first time at 75. And trying to choose <laughs> trying, a cause. And trying to, going, this is my last chance to get Spike's die-cast <laughs> Mercedes, which I took home. And uh, uh, Erica didn't take uh, take good care packing it. So when I when I opened my box when I got home, the wheels were off the damn thing. Oh, <laughs> and it broke off. And I threw it. Thrown it at her. <laughs> I threw it. I threw it in the trash. Throw I went ah, fuck it. No, have you know? By the way, on diecast models, I don't know if you've noticed this with some of Porsche's models because I buy these things for my boys and then for myself. A lot of little diecast models don't roll these days. Have you noticed that at all? Do you not buy these things? Like everything is cheapening. Yeah. Like you go to the you, you go and you buy these models, you unscrew them, and then they don't roll. And what, what's the what, point? What's the point of that? Right. What's the point? Anyway, um, Zuckerman, uh, I just want to get your. We're gonna we're gonna bring Matt out here in a minute, but I want to get your perspective on a couple things because we were chatting about this, and and Jeff Swart was there, and a fella uh, from uh, Porsche, CEO of uh, Motorsports North America, whose name Daniel. I'm not remembering Armbruster. Okay, there he was. They were, you know, they're Porsche guys, and I was bringing up some of the headlines in Porsche news, and I wasn't quite getting the opinion I wanted to. Okay, let's start with the Mission E. Do you know that they've now named the car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the Taycan. Taken. Taycan. You've been taken, right? <laughs> so you've been taken. So I never – I don't understand their their naming protocol. Well, well, uh, they explain that to me. That that is, they have to find a word that they can clear in every territory around the world. So it's not like the old classic Nova, which in Spanish means no va doesn't go. No, it's they, very hard to come up with a word that you can clear in every single so market. Why don't they just use some numbers like nine eleven? So you don't like the new name, right? I think it's awful. It took some of the steam out of my excitement for the car. I'll be honest with you. 
How can you say I'm driving? I'm going to take the taken. I'm going to take the take on. Talk. And, and How since- about taking another shot at a name? You know, and I remember we talked about this with the La Ferrari, and now we all kind of accept the La Ferrari. Okay, as, how as long has it been? Name. It took a while, and a it year. was a very desirable car right from right. the get-go. You didn't care what it was called; it was a stupid name. You were still going to spend a million and change <clears throat> to get it. No, I thought it was. A, I thought it sounded to me like a Tahitian cocktail of some kind. The That's La Ferrari, right? It just didn't sound I, right. I but then they, the car goes on to define, you, you know, the 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 title like it does in a TV show. When I hear Taycan, I think of that um, <laughs> cereal bird. <laughs> toucan. The toucan. What was that? What was that cereal bird's name? But the, the Porsche toucan would be a much better name. Right. I like that. I would rather that. I don't know how to pronounce this one. Like the Macan. Yeah, so so is a little better. I right? got I, and in that whole family of Porsche and Volkswagen, I I had trouble with the Tiguan. I thought that was a silly. Tiguan's a horrible name. Yes. The Touareg is another horrible yes. name. Right. Right. And so now you have a Taquan, um, and I think of striped. Toucan birds for, <laughs> for cereal. Was that for Fruity fruity Pops or something? I don't know. I preferred the Mission E burrito name. I thought that was a much better name for it. You know, uh, Daniel Armbruster told a story last week that you missed about there was a contest at Porsche to name the Boxster. And there was a staffer there who kind of ca- who came up with that name. Great name. Boxster engine just added a little stir in there. and what, what, Speedster, Roadster, Boxster. Isn't that great? Yes, it makes Who sense. Who is that person? We need Have to find them. out. We need to celebrate that person. I think it's one of the better names of uh, this century. Take Don't you think? On. Take on. Take on. I hope it's not the same guy because that's awful. But the real news, Zuckerman, is the uh, the new Porsche Speedster. I'm going to pull some stuff up on it right now. Have, are you up to speed on it yet? Uh, speed on the Speedster. Yes, sir. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Okay. I want it because it's open-topped, and it has the GT3 engine. Right. So it is, by the way, we were talking about making our predictions, a GT3 engine speedster, and our information was good on that one. That's correct. So I, I don't think there were I, any I, really su- real surprises. I think we had we were pretty accurate with this. I wonder about the slant nose. You think we'll get right? We'll be right. With <clears> that? We'll, we'll move on to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that we are on track to be exactly right about the slant okay. nose Porsche at Rensport the end of September. I'm, I, I I brought it up to my friends uh, at Porsche last week, and they gave the eyebrow flare, the tell of we're, we're not going to tell you. We're not <laughs> going to tell you. We're lying. Right. <laughs> but getting back to the Speedster, our information was good. I, I mean, what surprised you about the car? What surprised me? Nothing. What re- about the side mirrors? Did you Did you anticipate the Talbot side mirrors? Okay, that's on the concept. You don't think that'll be on the real card? Do I you? do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I, I I like it too. I mean, what's the point of doing that and not putting those mirrors on there? That's a pretty big offer to all of us. I think that as usual, at this point, the speedster plays on nostalgia and our emotional attachment to past speedsters. So, from I think we both agree that maybe the looks are a little. Some of the looks or cues can be a little bit of a hodgepodge. But again, open top, six or six or six speed transmission or seven speed, whatever it is, a manual transmission plus yep. that engine, irresistible combination if you can get it, and that's going to be the problem. I think. Yes, um, central fuel filler cap. They can't Gee, keep that, they right? Can't keep they can't that. keep that. No I would love them to keep that. I, if it's they the kept that, yes. the Talbot-shaped side mirrors, the cross-hatched headlights, 
Wasn't yes. that just tape that they threw on it's there? Tape. They're not gonna. <laughs> I don't think they'll have the mirrors. I don't. That definitely. could be the cheapest option they, ever. Eighty nine yeah. cents, just taped right on top with with boogers. <laughs> booger tape. They could use your boogers. It's got speedster badging. You know, it kind of reminds me of that. Uh, what was that Project Seven car, the Jaguar? Right, the Remember Jag, that? It yes. kind of has that vibe. But maybe that's just the. Did meatball. you ever see a Project Seven car on the road? Uh, yeah, I did. You did a couple of them. I, I really like that car. I would encourage our, our, our listeners, if they were looking for something, to go out and check the prices on those and go buy one. That's a, a pretty hot little number to be bombing around on. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's got to be depreciating like crazy right now. And who has one? It's a great car. Um, let's see. What are, the, what are they saying here? The six billion, it was 6 billion euro electric offensive is expected to create around. Oh, they're talking about electric cars, whatever. Um, so what do we think it's now? Blitzkrieg. <laughs> electric blitzkrieg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you would have loved Daniel's German accent, Zuckerman. It, was, uh, it really would have like, uh, straightened you up when I he first started chatting. I would have wanted to talk history with him. <laughs> <laughs> Very... Very nice guy. One of the things he threw out there was that they, uh, the, the racing department is going to have a configurator that you're going to be able to build your own race car online. That's coming right. soon. How great is that? Think of the hours Make you're going to waste on car. that. Yeah, yeah. And that you just go down to the Porsche Experience Center and you can order a race car. Did you know that? I did not know that. <clears throat> yeah. Isn't that that's just one of those little pieces of information I've never known? Like, how do you get these race cars? Just go down there and order one. Or maybe wow. just click uh, click the little website and, and have it delivered. And then what do you do with it? <laughs> <laughs> you take it to the track. I guess, right? You, uh, you, you take it around a corner and crash it like Eli. Oh, poor Eli. <clears throat> that was humiliating for him. Oh, that's horrible. We shouldn't even bring it up. Not at all. <laughs> so uh, the, the GT3 Speedster. What do you think? You know, I always get confused this time of year because there's so many of these cars, and I feel like we just got the GT3 Touring, and now they're slapping us in the face with this other one, and the GT2 RS is out there. I start, I start getting a little fatigued and weary. That's to be honest with you. I get a little resentful because I'm I, a little resentful, I, right? I, I get resentful because I think Porsche has really mastered the end of the product line sales. Right. Like nobody else, they yep. keep that excitement going right until the last second. And in, in fact. Probably the 992 will be out when the Speedster's coming out. Right. How do they do that to us? <laughs> how have they figured this out? They know how to do it. I would change the paint scheme here a little bit. I think the car is beautiful, and I like I like a lot of the details on it. I'm not sold on the paint yet. I, I like the way it sits. I like the cowl. I like the seats. I mean, it, <clears throat> there's a great shot right here, Zuckerman, from the rear, kind of looking looking forward from the back. Look at that. Wow, and that is really fantastic. If they keep that, then the car works. Right, and it's got the 70 uh, Porsche logo. I, I'm not a fan of that that sort of badging with the years, 1948. to. T I, I don't know. I guess it's it's kind of consistent with what they've done with little stickers over the years on side mirrors. You know, you know, it's pointless to resist. Listen, if we <clears throat> if we could get it at sticker, we'd buy it. And we'd be <laughs> foolish not to. Really? So it's just, it's just about the money? Well, I think, listen, if, if I know we're on the list, but there hasn't been any assurance whether we get it at sticker or not, and I have a feeling without assurance, we're gonna, they're going to come to us and say, yeah, you want one, you're going to have to pay a hundred grand over, and I don't think we'll do that. No, no. Well, you know, we do have connections. I, I, our, <clears throat> our biggest connection has secured himself one. Who's that? Uh, Mr. Mr. Jerry. So then they've already taken the orders. 
they've they've put his name on one. Right. Right, because he gets to talk to people we don't get to talk to. Right. He's special. He's special. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good for good for Jerry. <laughs> I'm happy he's getting one of these cars. <clears throat> and I don't think they're through. Here's 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 what I'm going to say about it and then we'll move on. I think we're going to have that slant nose. I also get the feeling there's something else. In the 911 family? Yep, there's one more little uh, kooky twist and turn. Uh, and now that is just a guess, but I but I'm guessing it's not just going to be the slant nose edition. That maybe there's something else. Maybe it's <clears throat> just an appearance package thing. Maybe it's not a big deal. Something but something more along the lines of the 911 touring for I that c- segment of the market. Yeah, give. maybe, or it could be something new for the other side, the 992. Really? But I hear rumblings of something, and it has. It's just you know. It's God, just... They've, they've mastered the art of leaking <laughs> and and well, anticipation <clears throat> building. Watch companies are doing this too. They do this with you know these one-offs and prototypes more and more now. It seems like everybody's got their little Hoyer Octavia version all of a sudden, and you know everyone it... wants to be special. We talked about this, right? Right. Spe- everyone's special. Where we does ask... that go? Does that eventually end? Well, yeah, at some point we all want to be preppy nerds again. We all want, <laughs> we all to, want be, to fit in. We all want to fit in. <laughs> wear, wear polo shirts and, and, <clears throat> and boat shoes. Uh, what if, You said there was a guy who had 100 watches? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's of, of one brand? Yeah. And a, a collector of Elange and Sonia. Yeah. 100 watches. He was one of their top customers there, and he said he had 100 of them, yeah. Do you think his <laughs> wife hates him? No, she was there. She she she's fine with it. He's obviously made a lot of money in life, and she's cool. She's totally fine. But that's a lot of watches. That's a lot of those watches. Could you imagine <clears throat> you misplaced one? You'd never know. Uh, he told me that they, they, they occasionally they, there are a lot of them he has never worn. He's taken delivery of them and just tucked them away, and then he comes back to them a month or two and finds them and wears them. Which you know. Let's just be honest. You and I have done that with cars. We've done that with things. <clears throat> For me, 100 watches doesn't seem – I could get there pretty easily if I wanted to, you know, and I'm, you know, probably halfway there. <laughs> but I really try to cull, and, you know, I want to I be able to wear my stuff. And if, my rule is if I haven't worn it uh, in a year, I get rid of it. Clothes, shoes, watches, otherwise. Smart. It just – Otherwise, I'm just saving it for the death garage sale, the death sale. The and that's what sale, I, and that's right? what I think about with that hundred watches. They end up in a pawn shop on Wilshire Boulevard somewhere. No, no, this no, that'll go to an auction somewhere for sure. When you spend time with these German watchmakers, by the way, these are German watchmakers, Not and Swiss. <clears throat> every couple hours you're sitting with a different person from the company, and you know from PR to the guys who design the watches, you you go you go off the deep end. You There's lose that it. much money in watches that they, that they these do watches this full were beautiful, Zuckerman. These watches were absolutely stunning and perfect for the location we were in. And now I'm very fond of the brand. I will I, be buying one of their watches soon. And furthermore. My delightful young wife, who doesn't get caught up in that crap, the Prius-driving wife, said, I really would love to have one of these watches really? one day. To remind she, her of the experience, too. Yeah. No, but she liked she liked the company ethos. She liked the fact that these guys were not going to let the old man like me stay in my hotel room all day long and eat da- Danish. That they, they had these hats that said, keep moving or something. Keep, you know, Elange and Son, keep going, you know, Perpetual whatever it was. Perpetual motion. <laughs> it was, no, and she loved them for 
you get up at nine, we're doing this tour, we're getting on Riva boats, then we're getting in vintage cars, and we're doing this. We, the whole time, we were just running and gunning and dinners and socializing. And oh, the CEOs, exhausting. <clears throat> straight on down, everybody on staff was super friendly. We, we'll talk about it tonight. And he, he'll be able to tell me, because I, I think uh, Matt does these things more than I do, whether this one is typical or this one was really as great as I thought it was. Because I don't, I don't know that I've ever had uh, an experience like this before in my life. I don't know that I ever will again. It was that perfect. I have one, and I've said this before. I have a problem <clears throat> with watches in that. One of the reasons I don't get into them is that I never can see the watch on my own wrist. I can right. only see watches yes. on somebody we else. We talk is about that, that. Is that a common syndrome, or is that just something <clears throat> peculiar to me? Um, it's a common syndrome. It's hard to enjoy your watch as much as someone else enjoys it because they're getting the whole presentation. But that's one way of thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> on vacation, I can enjoy a watch more than, than like today. I'm wearing my uh, 6263 Rolex because Matt has a Daytona on the cover of his book, A Man and His Watch. But I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying seeing you with it. You're liking it. He's going to like it. They're mostly on the weekend for me when I go. All right, I'm gonna uh, we're gonna drive out and have coffee with Zuckerman. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the old Speedster. What do I want to wear with that? And there are moments at stoplights where I kind of look at the crap and go, "Oh, this is fun." Mm. That's it. That's why I like to do that stuff. Or you know, later in the afternoon, I'm gonna jump in the pool with the kids. What do I want to get wet in? You know, and I and I throw on a watch like that and have fun. But. It, it's it's stupid, pointless, superficial. Spiritually <laughs> bankrupt. It's spiritually bankrupt. It totally Hashtag is. spiritually bankrupt. <clears throat> Take it, it or leave it. Uh, you're exactly right. Yeah. I could be just as happy in a, in a Timex with a NATO. There, <clears throat> there was a new Timex. I don't know what it was, but somebody's designing these really cool Timex watches on NATO straps. I saw one on Instagram the other day, and it was, you know, it's 60 probably $100 watch. It's like, I could be just as happy in that. I just love the way the watch looked. And I and I was going to buy it, but I'm like, I, I'll never wear it because I'm not wearing half the stuff. I have. have you noticed these tactical watches, like tack gear? People are into tactical gear. Yeah. Have you seen this? No. What is that about? I don't know. I think it's like my boys. They like weapons and military stuff, right? Okay, but if you're 30 years old, it's a little weird if you've got your tack pants, your tack belt, <laughs> your tack glasses, your tack watch, and you're going to go to the deli and don't, get and get something. Don't eat. activate the militia against us right now, Zuckerman, because <laughs> now you're talking straight to the militia guys, and they, they don't like to be made okay, fun of. Like and as I'm, as I'm told by them, they have people everywhere. So really? you got to be careful. Should I wear Oakley's blue blockers? I'd be careful, Zuckerman. You're, you're, uh, what, what are your plans for Italy, by the way? Are We're, you really going to do what you told me to do, which is get up every morning very early and sit and eat breakfast for three hours? Yes, yes, because <laughs> if every, anybody's been to one of these Italian hotels, they put out the breakfast buffet, and there is really endless variety of wonderful treats and yeah. i do since since the kids and everybody takes too long for them to come downstairs i get up earlier and i go down and i leisurely <clears throat> eat for hours and have coffee and have the best part of my day wow. by myself what do you do you read i get the international herald tribune okay they, they uh, and what they, is your method do you start because for me it's hard not to start with the croissants and the easy to get stuff i i might 
I started with like the runny eggs and the uh, and a little bit of oatmeal, and then I moved into the bigger stuff. Okay, this is old man talk, but I will tell you that I start with the eggs, <laughs> and then I go also. I, I progressively get to to worse and worse. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That of right? course, you get a good base, you and get a great... solid base, and then you go wild. <laughs> <laughs> and then at what point do you go to the bathroom? Do you go to the bathroom before you go down, or do you eat the big breakfast and then hit the bathroom? I, I would say, <clears throat> why stop at one? Go, be, go before and after. Come on in, Matt. Matt's walking in right now. As we're talking about pooping. As, as we're talking about pooping. Hey, Matt. Hey. <laughs> Good to see you, my friend. <laughs> Come on in. Sit down. It's right over you, there. Matt? This hey, is uh, Paul. Paul Zuckerman. Paul's about as far away from a gentleman as you'll find. Matt is a true gentleman. Wow. A true gentleman. And I brought, I brought gifts. Come uh, on. Let's talk right into the microphone. I brought gifts. No I'm now. drinking coffee. This mic's a little high for Just me. Just point so. it down. There you go. Um, you did because you have uh, impeccable manners. Well, thank you, I was you, trying Mike. to communicate to Zuckerman. He's the style letter for Condé Nast Traveler. Really? Did you know that? Well, it's sort of a, an accidental Okay, we already know that all of the best jobs come accidentally. Yes, that's right. right. I would like more of those accidental jobs that incorporate lifestyles in uh, Lake Como at the right. you know, luxury hotels and car shows. But I, now, just, I, I just, was telling Zuckerman, I was like, you've been on these probably a lot more than I have. Was that one of the best ones you've ever been on? I think or? that was one of the best ones for, for two reasons. A... The venue, just going to see those cars, like I've been wanting to go see that for a long time. So you've time. never been to the Concourse? N- never been to the Concourse. Go to, so, but to have that kind of insider VIP track to that right. is pretty special. Yeah. The Tremezzo, which is this old school Italian hotel on the lake, I think is one of the best hotels I've ever wow. stayed at. It's beautiful. It's magic. <clears throat> and I love old school Italian hotels. I love, I think in heaven, there's a, it, the, the bartender is an Italian guy in a white jacket uh, <laughs> making the perfect Negroni. And that place just is evocative of all those things that I love about Italy. And it's like that fantasy on the lake. And I, I, when I got home, I said to my wife, we need to go back there immediately. Um, That's right. And I think we're, I think we're actually <laughs> – She definitely does because how – you can't communicate to people really. You can talk. We can talk to them right now, but they cannot experience what we experience until you no. get there and you go, oh, now I understand. Well, there's this like sense of service and elegance that happens there where like, you know, listen, I'm, I'm in L.A. I love the Sunset Tower – I love the Sunset Tower Hotel. Like that's where I set up shop. I like old school sensibility hotels, present owners, thoughtful staff – in, like in Italy, like you have a hotel job for life. Yes, you know the food it's and beverage manager. Right, right. It's not just the like I'm an actor. This is a right. leading job. This is a gateway to something else. This is your life, and I think they approach it with such passion that it's infectious, and the service is incredible. That's the so that's right. the Riva boat captain that oh, I met. God. That is that guy. I'm looking at his craft, going, "This thing is perfection. This guy's outfit is perfection. Yeah. He's just a boat. I mean, everything about that boat had been thought about and yeah. tweaked to perfection. Viva you know, Italia. a perfect." preservation Riva boat without a single knob that was chipped. How come it only works on that soil? I don't know. I know that your your point is well taken that here everybody's on their way to something else. It's not what they aspire to, but still there's something about the soil, the air, the atmosphere. They've been at it a long time. You know, I mean, we're a country of like young mutts for different reference points. Like the Italians have been doing that one way for a long time. I mean, there's a lot of messed up stuff there, right? 
right. politically, infrastructure, nothing gets done, the economy is for crap. But, you know, you see like four guys having a coffee in the afternoon, <laughs> not caring about all that. With their just, jackets on their shoulders, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, impeccably it, well, it wasn't overdeveloped. I didn't see many tourists there aside from, you know, Season. the little hotels. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the, a big surprise about Como because I think a lot of people, particularly as Americans, like have this idea and it's like, oh, Clooney's got a house there and all that kind of stuff. Right, right. But um, there is an actual community there. There is like great little towns and it feels still untouched in many ways. It doesn't it does. feel commercial. And I think the that's another nuance of Italy. I think they're able to like keep that localized and keep it kind of charming and unadulterated. And uh, But those damn Rivas... One time I said to myself, oh, we should look into getting a Riva. You know? I did that. There's the 700,000 bucks, I know, aren't there? I know. There's some, there are a few for sale down in Newport. I already looked at them. Well, as somebody who <laughs> owned they, they were over a million dollars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. And it's not even like – it's just a little pleasurable runabout. It's not like it's a – What are they? The Aquanauts? Is that the, what we yeah, were run around the in? Yeah, Yeah. You know, I owned uh, – in a horse trade, I got a 1941 Mahogany Chris Craft really? uh, runabout. Another Seven, beautiful – 17-footer. Like, that was my mini Riva. Uh-huh. But I will say, uh, having that boat, let's say, on the South Shore of Long Island where I rented this house, was such a nightmare. Like, that thing is for, like, puttering around some little <laughs> calm lake somewhere. Because uh, suddenly there's every goomba with a sea ray. Right. You know, just, like, waking you. <laughs> you know? It's like goomba, Tony Sub- can you say that? You you can, well, I'm from Long Island. Yes, that's as, a nice as, way. As an Italian yeah. growing up yes. in upstate New York, I will yeah. say that. You can say that. It's, um, it's very friendly. But it's, but it's like every Tony Soprano kind of wannabe. With, right. With a mat, and we just – so the most fun we would have would, go, would be going to the dock with a drink and just sitting on the boat. Yeah. And then I – I think I had that boat one summer, and I was like, "We got to sell this damn boat." But, but they are—it <laughs> is a—it is a beautiful boat. object. Wooden boats are beautiful objects. They have. I, I wonder how those Rivas do out in the ocean. They don't. Do well, they not they do well? Them, they have Why them like not? in the south of France and stuff. They but, do. And I read. Do they do okay in the, in the salt water? Yeah, or, but or that's it... just like one hundred times more like care and a lot more so work, imagine. right? It's but they're so gorgeous. Spike, it's always better to have somebody else in your life own that boat. Right. Right. I mean, that's the way I look at it. We could share one, Zuckerman. I know you, you guys are on a vehicle share right here. So. Yes, so but where would we where would we, we put no around? place to use it? When hmm. I someday when I move to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to hang out on Lakeside, I'm going to get one or of those Tahoe. wooden boats. Tahoe? I've never been to Tahoe. Have you ever been to Tahoe? There's no Why? reason to go to Tahoe. Why? <laughs> well, know, maybe to put that boat. <laughs> I don't like cold. I don't like mountains. I don't. I, I would don't be know. afraid of what would happen to me if I went there by myself and was there for longer than a couple of days. You know what I what mean? What would you do with yourself? I, I don't want to say. There's been the too much of it. The devil's work would be. It would be. <laughs> There's too much of it in the news these days. <laughs> oh my god! I don't want to say, but the, you know, with little kids, it would be fun. You know, but lakes by yourself, older. I'm so. I guess I I'm would predictable. Fish. I like the Mediterranean. Just throw me on the Mediterranean somewhere. I, I could I, retire I, at Lake Como. For I, sure. I like. I like. I mean, I like lakes. Yeah, I, I do. I like do lakes. too. I love them. Italian lakes are other. You know, the, yeah, I, right. you notice there was like. No party boats with keggers in None. solo cups. It was Nobody all very even fishing. Right. There was no one fishing no. there. Actually, the first time I went to Como, and uh, I like swimming in lakes, so I immediately said to the hotel, like, I'm going to go swim in the lake. And they're like, ah, no. <laughs> it's very dangerous to swim in the lake. And I was like, 
I don't understand. Why, Why is it very deep uh, undertones? <laughs> like they were so paranoid, and I was like, mm, I swim in some pretty deep lakes. Like at your own risk, you know. It was like it's that very kind of deep. It's very deep. <laughs> what like, the hell does like, you could drown in ten feet of water? L- Loch Ness monster. Uh, yeah. you know. I don't know. I and don't did know. you swim? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and it was they fine. They thought I was crazy. It was cold, yeah. right? It was cold. It was beautiful. But it was like, you know, August. It was great. I, I don't know. I don't know why the culture of that, that water culture is just different. You know, it's not like you don't see any water skiing. You don't, yeah, you don't, you don't see any right. of that. There was none of it's that It's just stuff. like people getting No jet tanned. skis. There was none of that. You're right. There was none of that stuff. Yeah. None of that. And I, it's always like you have Lago de Garda, which is there, which Even is bigger. so cool. Yeah. Uh, then Como, and then there's a couple smaller other ones. Like where, um, there's five or something. Five Christo of the did that installation in right. this uh, – I guess last year I went to go see that. Anyway, and and then cars, and then they dump a bunch of beautiful cars into this thing, and you know you're just looking around. There's no everywhere you look is beauty, is beautiful cars with beautiful backgrounds, and then good food mm. and fantastic food. Yeah, and then Matt and I cigars, and I brought you, um, <laughs> I brought my travel kit. I love this little cigar suitcase. <laughs> okay. this is a, what is that? This a is Ramoa? the, hot, this is the hottest nice. tip ever. <clears throat> a friend of mine uh, who writes for – who used to write for Cigar Aficionado. I don't know if he still does. He said, oh, if you ever fly business class in Lufthansa, they give away a Rimwoa travel like, you know, the amenity yes. kit. And he said it's the best travel cigar box. You're exactly right. So you throw – Oh my gosh! Look right, at this. you throw a little. You should put. You, you have to take a picture and put it on Instagram. Look this at is, that! I don't right? even oh like, boy! I don't like cigars, but that's wow. yeah, that's wonderful. You could see Tony Tony Montana with Coke in there. You're impressed. <laughs> but uh, so take your pick out of there. I know there's well, some you Hoyos. Know what I'm going to pick right. Yeah, there's a Hoyo, there's actually a kind of beat up Partagas in there that I'll smoke, but. Um, but he's right. It's a, and these I'm little. Take this little guy right there. Wow. And then these little uh, humidity Stumpy packs little that they Hoyle. sell Thank now, you. pleasure, um, <clears throat> will uh, keep everything up to temperature. And that's a good tip. I have good... one of those, and I almost threw it out yesterday. It would well, be, I was fa- saying I don't know what to do with this, but you you're exactly it. right. It's a perfect, it's perfect little cigar thing. And, and you want to know the embarrassing thing? I gave this to my daughter. Right when I came back from the trip, I was like, "Ha, oh, Clara, you're gonna love this. It's a cute little." And she's like, "Oh, great! I'll put stuff in it." And then uh, about a month later, I was like. Remember that brown Rimwoa case that I gave you? Daddy needs that back for his smokes. It was like that kind of thing. It was That's not hilarious. very popular. That's very funny. All right, guys, we have to take a break. I know you just sat down, Mac. Uh, we'll be right back with more Spikes Car Radio. Great. Think of all the weird things found in cars. I'm not talking about your garden variety petrified French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about live snakes, bizarre trinkets, the kind of stuff that just makes you wonder about folks. Another thing that will make you wonder, but in a good way, are continental belts. Bet you didn't know they're OE and tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also OE on the majority of BMWs and VWs. Now Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series, belts that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has been an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. Hey, you get enough surprises working on cars and trucks. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with Continental OE technology series multi-V belts, the belt with the OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OE technology series. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Welcome back. <laughs> There's no real <laughs> wow, break, that was Matt. So awesome. that they was just so cut flat. in the commercials just like that. Wow, that was um, 
You know, I was so pleased to meet you when we were in Italy. You came right up and introduced yourself like a real person, yes. unlike us. He just walked up and said hello, and I wrote this book, A Man and His Watch. If you don't know it, um, iconic watches and stories from the men who wore them. You know, you look on Instagram again. This book seems to be popping all over the place again. I, yeah. I guess you're doing a lot of press right now? Well, you know, it came out in November. And right. it, it immediately sold out. It, I guess it resonated with people. And now it's on its third printing, so we just kind of did another big push to say, hey, this book is out there. Wow. And Did um, you expect it to pop like that? You know, listen, I'm a total accidental author. Like my buddy Steve Lewis, who photographed this book beautifully, he said to me, well, man, that's great. Like you've actually written more books than you've read, mm -hmm. you know, and, <laughs> and, and he's not too far <clears throat> off. But, you know, no, I didn't think – I knew it was going to resonate with people – um, that loved watches because right. I kind of traveled in that circle of people. But it I think what happens is it resonated with people who just like good stories. And I think that was the driving point of the book was let's not just fill this with like beautiful watches and objects that we all mm -hmm. kind of fetishize over, but let's find that, those kind of emotional stories that could resonate with anybody. And uh, it just took off. And I also think Artisan did a beautiful job designing the book. And that was another thing is like even if you don't like – watches or watch stories i wanted this object to be something that people gravitated to and now we're on the third printing so i have a theory Tell me. all right you ready yeah if this was right around the time that the newman watch was being auctioned off right and on the cover of your book you have another newman daytona on that there. was an incredible <clears throat> stroke of luck yeah and that's where where i saw it and then i saw this watch and that's what really grabbed me yeah. about the book and that's funny because the the what the book the book start, started selfishly with my own watch story, a dad story, right? Uh -huh. Father left me a watch. And then as we, I started thinking about watches, I had met Clea Newman, and I saw that watch on her wrist. And I knew it was her father's. And I was like, God, I need that. And this is the watch right here on the cover here. That's so that's the a watch. 6263 with a black dial? That's right, called the Big Red Daytona. The big and, Red Dato. That is the, and it's uh, engraved on the back, Drive Slowly, Joanne. Which is the very back cover of the book right here. That's what a beautiful photograph. And I still get chills like right. when I – That's the same engraving as the watch that sold for $17 million, right? Well, it's actually <laughs> – wait. No, that one says drive carefully Drive carefully. Me. It says drive carefully me. Okay. So at that point, to. I had no idea and the family really wasn't disclosing this <clears throat> where that exotic quote-unquote Paul Newman dial was. Right. And no one was talking about it and I just assumed – it disappeared or no one wanted to talk about it or no one had it. So, But I was just really, really pleased to get my hands on this one. And now we learn that this is the one that Joanne Woodward gave Paul Newman to replace the one he gave away, oh. which is was to Nell's boyfriend, which is the one that had the hammer price at Phillips for $17.5 And mm -hmm. that one surfaced quite – just surprisingly, coincidentally, at the same time. And then, you know, there was all these collectors and controversy of, like, people People were contacting me, like, this watch is, what do you know about this? And I said, listen, guys, <laughs> I don't know anything about these watches. I just know that this one was on Clea's wrist, and when I touched it, it still had the man's DNA in the damn mm, thing. Right, and It right. was a powerful thing. Wow. And So uh, she still wears this watch? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, she was wearing it the day I saw and, her. And, and that's the daughter. That's Paul Newman's daughter. And right. her husband is the one who had the other watch, right? No. Her... So there's Nell and Clea. Okay. Nell's boyfriend 
was given the watch that had the the the, the exotic it was dial. Was a charming point, story, yeah. right? Yeah. He was working in a treehouse. Paul said, "What time is it? I don't wear a watch." I'm paraphrasing, right? And he takes off, and he's like, "This one keeps good time." And that was the exotic dial quote, Paul Newman. Here's seventeen million. Here's seventeen million <laughs> right. in the future. And then then Joanne Come Woodward on, gave him that watch. Right. And then when Paul died, uh, Clea started wearing the watch, and she said she she wore it horseback riding and in the garden and. Used it. Right. Used it. It was a tool. And that's what she said. Her father was not looking at the value of these things. They were tools. Of course not. They're little uh, cigarette uh, watches. I know. (laughs) Cigarette bucks. Discounts. Now, how many more of these are there floating around? Where they're only well, there's pictures of him with a Bulova Accutron. Oh, yeah? Uh, There was, um, I guess there was a Submariner. I mean, who knows? But in terms of... Daytona's, I think there was just a couple. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I mean, they're, they're really kind of tight-lipped about it, and no one really right, wants to talk right. about it. And I, when this other watch came up, I sent Clay an email, and we're just like, hey, what's going on with this? And I think she was just laying low during that Right. Time. She heads up Serious Fun, which is the camps, the uh, the terminally ill kids' camps. Mm-hmm. And I just think she was like, I can't get caught up in this madness. Right. No, it's kind of like the McQueen auction. Remember when those sunglasses, McQueen sunglasses, right. sold for $100,000? And his wife said, God, if I know they're worth that much, I'd give you the rest of them. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> it's, yeah. like a, it's a whole a big bucket of them back here. Um, you know what I like about the book? As I was flipping through it again last night, prepare for this interview, was there's no uh, faces of guys who own the watches in there. Yeah. There's no there's no picture of the, the you know the big rich guy who's got the watch. Yeah. That was <laughs> I, a, it's just the watch. That it's was just, a very conscious decision. Right. Smart. We don't want to see that guy. No, and that's why in the in the but I do think glossaries are fun. Uh-huh. I think glossaries are interesting like particularly if people don't know people. Mm-hmm. So that's why in the back of the book you kind you have a kind of a glossary that of names and of names of people but they're all illustrated as well like right mm. we just were like we kind of just have, oh yeah there they are right we just kind of have caricatures of everybody oh that's way better yeah everybody looks better in a little pencil drawing yeah oh, including Burkus, myself look at that there, there you is. go burkus had a great story in that book a very heartfelt uh, and then uh mario andretti george bamford nate burkus so you know all these oh paul boutros boutros yep. ralph Golly. lauren Oh, Ben Clymer, of course. Um, wow. Look at all these guys. Well, these were all the kind of fraternity of guys that were the ones that inspired the book to begin with, you know, with pretty intimate stories. And, you know, Clymer's watch is in there, and it's an Omega that his grandfather gave him. And it really, you oh, know, again, great. that one is kept in the safe along with his other epic collection. Look, there's yeah. Adam Moore. <laughs> if you think about how long you would draw his beard. Well, guess what? Everyone with a, a beard. <laughs> everyone with a beard was really well illustrated in that book for some reason. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think I had them do mine like three times because I just like look like a monkey. But. So I know you're doing an event. Uh, what is it tomorrow night here yeah. at uh, at our friend Ken Jacobs' place? Yeah. Want to buy a watch? Want to buy a watch? How did that come about? Well, I. You know, I had, obviously had mutual friends. I was a big fan of Want to Buy a Watch when mm-hmm. I first was kind of poking around and buying watches when I would come out to L.A. And um, I met Ken in person through my friends at Analog Shift in New York, mm-hmm. um, who are huge Ken fans. And I saw that via Instagram, and I just walked in the shop one day, and I said, hey, I'm Matt, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we kind of hit it off, and we've been trying to figure out how to do something in Los Angeles for the last couple months. And I said, listen, I'll be here for the week. Let's make it happen. So... He said, terrific. We're going to do it tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to sign books. I'll chat about stories and uh, hang out 
with really beautiful watches. Oh, that's that, nice. That I could <clears throat> barely afford anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will now that you're selling lots of books. What are some of your favorite stories from the book? Well, I think there's – I love the Stallone story because I I knew he was a big watch guy. And, right. And I, I knew there was this relationship with Panerai. You know, like Rambo is wearing a Panerai. Right. Like all that stuff was really important to him in terms of the details and stuff, right? And um, so I reached out to him through a mutual friend, and forever he wasn't getting back to me. And I just kept they, – they said, no, but Sly wants to do this. And I was like, he's not getting back to me. So, And it turned out like – I don't know. He didn't know how to operate the email correctly. <clears throat> right. You know, you know it's like – you know. So finally he said, I'm going to send out a watch. And a FedEx arrives. And I was like, God, this is really weird. He's just going to send it out. And I open up, and there's this um, 1680 gold Submariner in there. Wow. I really thought it was going to be a Panerai, right? And there's a very uh, sweet note in there. And um, I email him. Thank you, Senate. Could you just give me the, the story? So basically, he, he's like, it's the most precious, most beautiful thing I own, quote. And he just dropped it into FedEx. And it, it kind of made me really anxious, to be honest, to have that watch. <clears throat> yeah, that's a really expensive watch. And then uh, and then he tells how he bought that watch after being on a flight with Greg Allman. Like, really? Yeah. I guess they were on a commercial flight with Greg Allman. He had, Rocky had just, like, blown up. The Oscar was won. And, and he looks down, and he sees this watch on Allman's wrist. And it's like, yeah, it was the most beautiful thing I ever saw. And he, like, <laughs> runs to Tiffany and, and buys the same – exact watch and he still talks about how that is the single most represented thing of that time right which is so amazing and uh he also talks about a line in rocky 2 where it says you know if you want to have a good time you got to have a good watch and that's when he's with paulie buying right. a rolex right and um that was just so impressive that this intimate thing this the th- this thing that he's calling the most important object in his life right he's dropped and sent to us with the incomplete trust. And I also think that's the kind of fraternity <clears throat> – the fraternity of watches happens that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Does it have – I'm trying to find the watch in the book. Does it have a uh, Tiffany dial on it? It has a Tiffany printed dial on it. It does. So that I, makes I it don't easy. remember exactly what page it is. And then on the other side of that, you have um, you know, local Hollywood celebrity, Dimitri, who's the keeper of the gate at the Sunset Tower. And uh, – you know, Sunset Tower, Bar on the Sunset Tower is such a cool, sexy place. Like, mm-hmm. for me, it, embo- it embodies Hollywood, right? right? You know, it's like some old-school movie producer, young starlets, dark bar, blah, blah, blah. So he was wearing a, some Swiss watch of note that he couldn't read because it was so dark in there. And Bill Murray comes in and is like, Dimitri, what time is it? And he's like, I don't know. He can't see his watch. So Bill Murray takes off his Indiglo Timex and hands it to him, takes off his Swiss watch, puts it in his pocket. And he's like, now you could tell what time it is. Because it's got an indiglow switch, right? Yeah. So, he, uh, Dimitri says, you know, every once in a while, Bill Murray will come da- call down, and he's staying in the hotel, and ring the bar. Dimitri will pick up, pick up, and he'll say, "Hey, Dimitri, what time is it?" <laughs> Great because story. he does not take that watch off now. And I think he lost the Swiss watch to Murray, <clears throat> but that's wow. un- unconfirmed. But this guy here, Mario Andretti's watch, this Hoyer right here. Oh, uh, that that is the fan. And you fish. see, there's now, like didn't burn they just marks. make didn't they just make one of these a brand new one a Ronnie Peterson or something yeah. a sw- to gave it to one Swedish guy what, what so, am I so these about go- here? so these gold Hoyers like Hoyer was um, well Jack Hoyer was giving these gold Hoyers to significant drivers mostly mm-hmm. um, in this case when 
Andretti drove for Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the cool thing about Andretti is that he always wore every single watch that was ever given to him, loaned to him, made for him. And this one, while he was wa- racing with Ferrari, he 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 drove with it at every race, and you could see it's all burned on the inside from the heat of the engine. Right, right. You know. Oh yeah, look and at that. There are burn marks right by the push. And there's um, amazing pictures of him wearing that watch racing. That's and unbelievable. Also, you know, so yeah. Andretti was so cool because I knew he had I knew he had this watch, and this was a very significant watch, but I didn't realize how into watches he was until like I he lives in Nazareth PA right um and um he's been there since they came to Italy as kids they left an internment camp moved to Pennsylvania and I called I spoke to, spoke to the secretary and there she was like wait you don't want to talk to Mario about car racing you have to you want to talk to him about watches and then Mario picks up the phone and he's like if you want to talk about watches get out here you can come out here tomorrow <laughs> so we, yeah, so we like packed up. Grab my grab my photographer. We packed up. I have an assistant in, at Condé Nast who she's just in love with car racing and has the hugest crush on Mario. I called my buddies at Frankie's Puntino. I was like, I want to bring the best olive oil and everything to you know, right. like, like just to ingratiate him with gifts. So we pull up. He was so amazing. He had a table, big table, about the one we're sitting on, just piles of watches, including the watch that his uncle gave he and his brother when they were in the internment camp in Italy. He still had it. And why are they in an internment camp? Because during World War II. They were rounding up race they were car round, drivers? They were rounding up <laughs> Italians as like, <clears throat> you know, part of the, um, uh, this, the axis. This, this escaped me in history class. I've, I've never heard of such a thing. Do, yeah. you, do you Italy the- was first part of uh, allies with Nazi Germany. Then they switched sides. So there were a lot of people that were either displaced or were caught between allegiances at various times. Yep, perfectly said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then that? and then his then they got out and uh, they moved to Pennsylvania, and he told this great story because they heard a dirt track in the back in the background, and he and his brother run to this dirt track and they look up where there's all these kind of modified old like '30s Fords and stuff like that, and they look at it and they at each other and they say like. Now, now we could do that because racing in Italy was just for the elite and for mm-hmm. the wealthy, and then that's where they started building cars and racing cars in Pennsylvania, and that's where, you know, it just things just took off. Obviously. So you sit down with Mario. I've met Mario. Uh, uh, he, he seems like a hard guy to impress. Did was he impressed by any gift that you brought him? <laughs> he liked the olive oil. I had. A, he, I have to say, he did like the olive oil, and I think he was really impressed that my young sister Mara was so enamored with him. You know, and she's cute, and he loved that. And, oh, there you go. And she and, just came with piles of posters for him to sign. He he just, I think he likes super fans, right? Right. But the funniest thing was there was a pile of Daytonas. Just in a the, pile in just the middle. On, yeah, and and were I was they on the tabletop, or did he put a napkin just, under? I them? I have or? a picture. I'll show you. It was just a mess of watches, like <laughs> dumped out of a box. I swear to God. And I picked up one of the Daytonas, and I said, Mario, like, what are you doing with all these Daytonas? And he's yeah. like, Well, I did win that race a couple times, <laughs> and I just felt like such a butthole. You know, I was just like, Oh, duh. You know. Um, well, it says here that he was traveling with watches. He liked to bring four or five watches with him wherever he went. And that in Italy, Zuckerman, watch out. Well, a turn couple the page. Were, a couple were stolen. Yeah, really? the, the, the Porsche watch, which is this black oh, yeah. Porsche design. That. that one, I guess he was in Brazil, and he fell asleep on the beach, and somebody took it off his wrist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he, after qualifying, he just fell asleep on the beach. And then Porsche heard about that and then gave him another one. And, and you can see that it. one. That one is beat to hell. He just That's beautiful. No, and then that's pat- the perfectly watch. Perfectly patinated. Creamy loons. I love creamy Even a little coffee stain on there. 
Lovely. And then that's the watch that was his brother, uh, the one given in the internment camp, this, the third one in that this series. This Clay Regazzoni, though. This is the one I want Tag Heuer to, to remake right now. I know that they did. No, no, you know what they made? They made white gold watches like this for yeah. the Swedish market for some reason. Tw- maybe 25 of them. But it's this this watch needs to be remade for everybody in the correct case size. Like yeah, I, I don't right, like, right. and they they kind of blow everything up. Right. Everything gets too big and yes. too chunky. Like just make it the way it was. That's what people love about. <clears> it. I think Tech Hoyer's getting there. I yeah. think you know they've had a lot of feedback. I think from all of us, you have to look at what Ro- Rolex did with that Daytona and go. They did that new Daytona perfectly. Yeah, I love. There's that. no reason we can't have 40 millimeters that sits right, and not right. like a hockey puck. And that's right. Now we all have. We've bought your Octavius. These new Octavius. Yeah. I have a couple of them, but I would like something that fits a little more like the original watch. I, I totally agree. And this, and this Carrera, the same deal. An like, 18 I'd love carat. To, I'd love to see that. I don't need it in gold, but I, I would wear this as a gold watch, sure. Yeah. I love you know. the bracelet, too. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And a great story, Clay Regazzoni, right? Do you remember from uh, the, the racing movie, his, his part of the story? I don't with, with what Hunt is that? and he was one of the racers on Ferrari with with Hunt and and then um, the other gentleman who got burned. Um, mm-hmm. What was his name again? I don't know. I'm forgetting. The I know the movie. Though, Ron race. Howard. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but then after at a certain point, Clay was in an accident and he became paralyzed from the waist down. And then he continued to race uh, even though he was paralyzed from the waist down. And then. Only the way Italians can end their lives. He was driving on the autostrada and somehow crashed into a bridge pylon and died. <laughs> after all that. All, after all of uh, yeah. that, yes. Well, there's a great picture, and I tried to get this, uh, and I'm going to totally mess up this guy's name, but he was the Italian racer that pulled Nicky Lauda out of the car. There's Is our it... gentleman's name. Yeah, that was yeah. Lauda, right? Lauda. Lauda, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but... The, the um I think his name is it Manzoni or it was an Italian guy right and they used to call him the cowboy because he always wore a cowboy hat right he was the one that rushed to Lauda's car and pulled him out and there's a great picture of Nicky handing him his gold Rolex really you know still recovering from burns and stuff and I actually Mario got him on the phone because he only speaks Italian and I only know how to order food in Italian and uh, he still has to watch. And I couldn't get to Milan in time to to make the deadline for the book, but it, he. Still, I guess there's more stories for book number two. I know it's like soon as, you know it was like peeling an onion, you know. Right. And then soon as this thing really took off, and there was probably seventy, eighty stories, uh, you know, my publisher was like, "No more stories." So hence the the second book that I'm working on now is a man in his car. Oh, there you go. So we're off watches and we're into cars. I think I wanted I wanted to start away, start straight away with another relatable, passionate subject where you have emotional connective tissue to these, mm-hmm. this machine, right? And again, it starts with a selfish story, my story. And I didn't want to take the power away from this book with immediate another watch book. So, hey. Taproot cars. But where, <laughs> where, where do we go after a man and his car? A man and his taproot. <laughs> a man and his hoe. <laughs> a man, a man and his root. <laughs> the root man. Yeah. Give us some more AC in here, Will. We're getting hot. Can you can you lower it a little suffering. bit? Suffering. We're suffering. It's, it's suffering. getting stifling in here. There you go. I think Will Will gets cold. You look at him in an Afghan and a shawl in there. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> no more watches. I like this. This is a whole brand for you. You can we can keep going. A man and its pen. 
Manless belt. Man and his, do- <laughs> man and his dog. A man, man and his belt. belt. <laughs> it would be great. I you have a lot of passionate belt stories in your life. <laughs> only when I don't have it with me. Right? How, like, wouldn't you say that your belt is the thing that lasts with you the longest in your closet? Absolutely. You have belts from 20 Absol- years yes. ago? I believe oh so. I'm not a belt buyer. I, yeah, very... when when do you go buy belts? It's I need like a belt. I, I need a belt. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, not many belt collections no, out there. Right. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, but I just I just mean you don't ever turn it over. You don't. No. You Unless you get belt? really fat. Yeah, you it, could do you that. Can't... Fat is probably more. I find with the suits, if you're going to wear a lot of suits, the black belt starts to get worn. <laughs> but now you, with your suit, you don't need to wear the belt no. anymore. You right? tab it. You wear. You're fine. You get a, you get a Sansa belt stretch pant. How okay. did you handle this tuxedo requirement? By the in, way, in uh, Italy, this is going to sound completely obnoxious <laughs> because but... we went we went to a black tie dinner, and I found as I was packing like Zuckerman, like I had a real pack to do Zuckerman. I had to bring like four different suits to this yeah. thing because every night Brutal. there was he a different. Good. He I always dressed as well. <clears throat> but how did you handle your tuxedo? Uh, I. I love the I love the opportunity to wear a tuxedo. <laughs> right. I, I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's this kind of romantic you great. bond, you know, or you think you look like Cary Grant. You look in the mirror, you're like, it is I do not very look like nice. Cary. Men of our age dressing up with in that scenery, it was it was perfect. I I do think the cool thing about black tie is like no matter when you've had it made or if you had it made or you know you and one, regardless of what genre, except maybe you did that weird '90s no collar and a stud Ugh. thing. But if you kept true to the tuxedo idea they always look good and when all those guys are together in black and tuxedo everyone looks great they do and i love i have i I think i i had one i bought at a thrift store in like west palm beach one time i had it tailored and then a buddy of mine is a tailor in new york named jake muser said listen i for your birthday i was going to have this party and i said he's like i'm going to make you a tux and it's it was a summer tux right it was complete frivolous folly but I love that. And when there you are get two different seasons of tuxedos? Yeah. There could be three or four, actually, to be honest. With you. Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> For cruise season. Cruise, winter, cashmere tuxedo. Now, what were those shoes you were wearing? You were wearing some sort of some loafer. Belgian thing loafer, with, yeah. The Belgian loafer yeah. with no socks. Yeah, I'm not a sock guy. That was, no, man I hate socks. Man and his loafers. Man and his socks. Man and his Belgian loafers. Uh, no. I mean, here's, I, what, here's what was making me laugh about it. Like, you know. All we, you know, when we go there, it's all of uh, what we've been calling the swells and this beautiful scenery and this big gala, which, by the way, nobody's even looking at tickets or anything. Like, no. You could just wander right into if the thing. If you were thing. dressed right, you Yeah, you're dressed in. right, and yeah. nobody's going to look at you sideways. But, but I'm getting, you know, I used to have a tuxedo, um, but I just thought, how long will this tuxedo stay in fact? I used to have it for the Emmys. Yeah. Gone to the, going to the Emmys every year, and then I was like, I, I'm not going to keep carrying this thing around. So I rent my tuxedos now. Friar but I thought, was, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Thank but you, you for still have the tuxedo? <laughs> I, ha- I go to Friar Tux. Like, <laughs> I'm in Friar Tux, it, you know, and I'm making Friar Tuxedo jokes. And then I go there, and but I carried some of Friar Tux into <laughs> into that event, and it made me a little insecure that I was in my Friar Tuxedo. That's right. Well, <laughs> it didn't. It didn't look like there was a Friar Tuxedo on your back. No, but, I, I, but I what chose about very the Emmy? carefully. What's what about that? what happened to the Emmy Tux? Uh, that was a Calvin Klein Tuxedo. Yeah, I just thought. I don't know. I'm not a, a man of style like you. To me, these things after a couple of years, don't they? Aren't they out of fashion? I don't think, like I said, unless and... you made some like quote woeful unquote mistake. woeful progressive style mistakes. Like if you stay old school, right? Like if Classic. you if yeah, if you look at anything that Sean Connery wore or anything, you know, there could have been some Roger Moore mistakes, right? Right. But like I think, um, you know, I was uh, I go to Basel every year. Mm-hmm. And um, and just I, for, for the listeners who don't know what that is, 
Uh, Basel it is sounds a big, like a doctor's appointment. <laughs> it's a, it's a, <laughs> I get, I get, I get a Basel removed every year. Uh, it's a big watch convention, convention where they roll better. out the new stuff, and that's where is it? Switzerland? Uh, that's in, that's in Switzerland, uh, in in Geneva. Yeah. And um, anyway, that is uh, no Basel's in Basel. S I H H was another one is in Geneva. Okay. Just there's two. There's two. Um, so anyway, there was a lot of black tie stuff, and I saw a really elegant older guy at the concierge, all like decked out, ready to go, but he could not tie his tie, right? <laughs> and he probably had this tux made in like the 1950s, you know? But the concierge tied the tie, put his jacket on, and I was like, that guy looks good. Like he looks so <laughs> good. Like I don't know if he looks good by the pool, but right. in that tuxedo, he just looked amazing he looked and right. it was timeless. Yeah. And I think it was because it was just a straightforward – Classic time, and honestly, I think everyone should. I don't know. I am amazed at the concierge. That's like I wonder if that was part oh, of the test to get the job. That's old school, like clay really? door stuff. And he just looked at him. At you know, it's hard to tie something facing yes. somebody. And he just boom did it. And I was really? like, that's the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, wow. That's the part of the story I like. Yeah, wow. me too. I have one bow tie that I've never worn that I've always wanted to wear. That you that tie yourself. Save it for a hotel. No, I don't know how to tie a bow tie. I don't know what oh, I'm talking You practice about. on your leg. That's a tip. I'm not going to practice. I'll You're practice on my third leg with your tie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to take it on your vacation? Oh, yes. And I'm going to take pictures everywhere. I'll do nutscapes for you with your, with your bow tie. You. i got to make nut sure skates. you have my email for that. <laughs> Did you just say nutscapes on Bow tie nutscapes, yeah. yes. Oh, I, good don't, Lord. Please do not Google nutscapes. Yes. Because it's please out do. there. Yes, don't. <laughs> do. Don't. Don't. Do. Google that or Lemon Party. Please. We don't want you to do that. What about collar insecurity? I, with, with suits, I get collar insecurity. Yeah, like, you adjust? No, no. The collar style seems to be changing constantly, and I never know where the hell I'm going with a collar. Can we go back to Italy for a second? Yes. Because if you follow – just like look at some – looking at – next time you're in an Italian taxi cab. Right. Like somewhere. Like look at the taxi driver. Like it's just dialed in. Right. Right. They have like just classic, straightforward mm-hmm. style that I think is timeless. And I think as I get older, like there's an event going on in Florence right now called PT where it's all like the men in European fashion. It's another like fashion convention, right? But the coolest guys there are all these old school Italian guys who are like in suits that they had made probably in the 50s and 60s. And they just have this air of confidence. And I think when you have confidence, you could kind of pull off anything. That's why the Italians have that word, sprezzatore. Ah, sprezzatore. Right? Which is just that casual elegance. That's right. Right? And, and they just can pull it off. And no matter what I do, how much money I spend, I'm never going to have sprezzatore. It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not going to happen Don't you me. have fleeting moments of it? I Some, find I have oh. fleeting moments of it. I have it in my memory. You're yeah. right. Like somehow in some long ago time, everything was right. And now it's just <laughs> – No, mine are five-minute spurts, maybe right. once a year. I go, oh, ah. then, it, then it's gone. But also you live in a town that embraces the casualness of everything. Right, like yeah. it's it's more encouraged to be right. not in a jacket and a shirt collar. Zuckerman's always in a jacket, so he's on his way to Sicily right now. He's, really he's leaving tomorrow morning. Well, I think um, we're going to get into uh, Palermo, excellent, and then there will be going around the coast. Obviously, Taramina. There's always oh, a stop. So, at, so you're in motion. You're not you, staying you have in one to place. Be there. I was there 25 years ago. I went in March when nobody was there. I had a rental car, and I just drove around the island. So there's little old towns like Cefalu or Scotia uh, or Porto, whatever. And it still is. It's. I love it because it's not as crowded. Yeah. Are you going to Noto? 
Noto no. is an amazing place. So it's just south of uh, Terramina. Uh-huh. Right? And there's an amazing hotel there called the Tomeo, which I'm jaded, but I ain't that jaded. When I got to that hotel uh, one summer night, Etna was like booming in the background. And you sit there on a t- terrace drinking a spritz and watching Etna erupt. How far south wow. is it? It's, it's just north of Catania. Okay, so not very. Not very. It's just magical there. And then um, Noto is this completely, I guess the original city was lost to some earthquake. And then um, in the 19th century, they rebuilt the entire town. It's just magical. I mean, N-O-T-T-O. N-O-T-O. Go. Go there. Noto. Go there. And erupting volcanoes. Yeah. And Maybe spritzers. I'll be swallowed. If I get swallowed up, I'll be happy. <laughs> you'll be preserved. Is there anybody who's after you there in Italy, Zuckerman? Is there a chance that you'll be taken out? Remember, it was Toto Rina. Toto Rina was the last great mafioso uh, in in Sicily. But that was the 90s. So Didn't they uh, find him by tracking his laundry or something? Yes, they did because he had, he had blown up uh, a couple of federal judges. Uh, judges are investigative in Italy. He had blown up Giovanni Falco, and I think there was somebody else, and that was even too much for the Italians. You know, yeah. you should squeeze in a couple episodes of FX's Trust Yes, with uh, our friend Hillary Swank. And it's all, it's that kidnapping, the Getty kidnapping yes, yes, in Italy. And the cars in this series are unbelievable. It's a little limited series. The Alfa Romeos, the whole you, – you, they're doing it for the car guys because they know they're sitting next to the wife that wants to watch this show. Right. Ah. And there are these beautiful shots of them zipping around in their Julias, the bad guys, and, and Jaguars. And they're so beautifully shot, you will lose your mind. Okay. It will really set the tone for what you're about to Any do. Any other suggestion other than Noto? Uh, I love Catania. Catania as a city is just breathtakingly beautiful. Right. It's fantastic. How are their breakfasts? <laughs> they like a sweet breakfast. They love we, a sweet. Yes. Sicilians <laughs> love every. It's just like cakes for breakfast. Well, My so daughter had we, a blast. We talked. I said the best part of an Italian vacation is the very long breakfast buffet. Get down there uh, before the rest of the family and leisurely eat your way through the uh, the tables. I totally agree. And the uh, Tremezzo had a spectacular yeah. one. And it's oh, always it was unreal. It yeah. was unreal. And it never, was in a ballroom. <laughs> it was in a fucking ballroom. I, You'd I, walk in in the morning and it's just laid out, and you're like, my god. I, I didn't so really much. avail myself of that enough. Oh, you poor fool. I was always up late and running and oh, go, get me a coffee, oh, and he'd make me one. And oh, I, did I feel up. for you. I actually lost weight in Italy. What? I lost weight because I wasn't eating. I was you, having, not, you did not do your vacation I did right. not do it right. You're right. Yeah, I told you. I know. I tried. I failed. Anyway. My favorite Sicilian car is, um, is the... Fiat Panda 4x4. Yes, of in course. In mint green, like the color yes, of... Yes, of course. Like, when I, when I see those cars, my, my heart races. Uh, and, of course, you could never drive this. It's like buying your clothes in Italy. It doesn't quite work here. No. Doesn't right? yeah, it's got to be on the soil. It's the same yeah. thing. Like, oh, yeah, that's you, hideous. Yeah, if you drove a Panda... <laughs> it's <laughs> your agricultural Spike is looking vehicle. it up right now. Yeah, it's, your, the, it's, the, it's the, the great... Um, uh, democratizer. Uh, right. Am I you, saying that correctly? Br- yes, you bring your tomatoes and olive oil to market yeah. in that vehicle, going all of forty what kilometers you, per hour. Zuckerman, yeah. what did you rent? Are you just going to get what they get up? No, get no, no, no. no. Have, I, got, I have an Alpha. <clears throat> you do? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Because nice. we, uh, we had horrible rental cars. And okay, now they, they may screw us because I stated my preference, but you know you get there and they may be say, oh, well, no, no, the Alpha's not available. You get whatever. It's a Skoda. Right. It's a Seat. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I thought about my rental car when I got here to L.A. I used to be so uptight about what my rental car was. Like it had to be 
of a certain right. make, certain status, you know, certain yeah, right. Design. You know, I don't really care. No, I just want to get the fuck care. out of the exactly. airport. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, give me the Corolla. Yeah, Let's going. go. Let's get out of here. What service do you use to rent a car in Italy? Whatever's the fair. What are they? So have? you're just gonna you Euro have car. A- 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 you have no reservation whatsoever. No, 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 I have a reservation. I don't have it in front of me. I know I, I asked for the Alpha, Julieta, the, oh, fun. the right, the Julia, whatever they have now, the four door, and hopefully, I with a stick. Hopefully, I will get that. Yeah. Instead of something else, as which will likely be the case, I'll get something else, and I won't complain because I want to get the fuck out of there. Well, I'm going to give you a hot tip. Only in Italy, at the rental car agencies, particularly in Sicily, do they make you take a number like at a deli. Come on. Yeah, and if you don't do that. You don't get You're waiting. standing there waiting, and all of a sudden they're like, uh, numero due? <laughs> and, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I've been here for an hour. And somebody who grabbed number two walked, and they're completely unsympathetic. So when you see the deli number counter, grab a That's ticket. a great tip. There because you go. I don't, you know, as it is, I'm going to be tired and cranky, no. and I don't want to have a fit. In, in the, in Gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> when are you, you start every day. <laughs> yes. Tireder, crankier. Anyway, and how long are you there for? Uh, a week. I'll have a week on the ground. He's got there. time. Bring right. us back a present, will you? We're, gentlemen, we're out of time. It's been a delightful that conversation. It's been yeah. nice having Terrific. you here, Matt. Uh, where do we buy your book? Everybody should have this book. This is one of the few books that was gifted to me that I actually put in my office. Wow. I get a lot That's... of books. They're right now, it's right next to my book on 917s, uh, Lufgekult book that uh, Patrick Long gave me, and then a, a, that nice picture book that Jerry gave us about right. our day of racing. So, I right. have, so it's right there. What an honor. I like looking at it because of that cover, and I like flipping through it when I have a moment, well, when I'm screwing off. Thank you. And uh, go to your local um, bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, so Usual Suspects. So it's on Amazon's Usual Suspects. Yep. What about Book Soup? Uh, I don't know if BookSoup bought any of those books, but I know they, you know, my publisher really pursues this small, you know. I would love, at BookSoup once a week they have an author speaking, and that would be a great gig for you. Yeah, that's totally available if you're out there. If anyone's (laughs) listening, that I would like to, that I would actually want to see and hear. Yeah, that would be a good event for them, because then you can combine the book and the watch thing. Diesel uh, Books is another one in Brentwood yeah. that, where you could do a nice event because there's a lot of car and watch guys. I'd like there to stay too. in LA the whole week and just talk about this book with people. It sounds like fun. Well, you got to get you, the you, book. Well, and, I think the yeah, the man in his car, man, that's that's going to be a good one. Yeah. So, hey guys, I need stories. I want emotional stories. I know we could fill this book full with just expensive cars, and I know you guys know that's not the point. Like so, right? Well, yeah. For example, usually it's not expensive cars because you take, say, Jerry, for example, if we're going to share, he didn't he buy a car, an Alpha. Or a Fiat when he was 15 yeah. or 14, yeah. before he, he could even he drive. Right, right. He doesn't have it, but he's trying to replace <clears throat> yeah. it. But there's those kind of great stories. Totally. There's always, as we say, the taproot car. And yeah. the taproot car is not something fancy. No. It's something that we're aspirational. I just was on the phone with Ken Gross, and he told me about this, like, 1932 Ford he had with a kid, as a kid and how – you know, it was just defying this bully named, like, Dickie Klein, who said you would never own good cars all his whole life. He's been defying that guy, <laughs> right. you know. Dickie and, Klein. Dickie Klein. And, Dickie and Klein is he's long out there in the somewhere. Grade. He's on six feet on to never amount to anything. <laughs> but I, I think those are, the car, those are the stories we want, like that kind of stuff. Well, the, I think it's going to be a huge success. Um, people want to get in touch with you. Where do you like to respond? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter? I, on Instagram, I'm at WM Brown Project. There's also a man and his watch Instagram that's putting up kind of great stories oh, cool. and stuff. We'll follow that. Um, but yeah, DM me. I answer everything, and um, I'm happy to communicate with people who love this stuff. So. Zuckerman, 
Have a nice vacation, my Thank friend. Thank you very much. I hope you don't die in a horrible car accident. Eat, eat until you're stuffed. Uh, that, no doubt. <laughs> that will occur. You've earned it. You're burning the candle at both ends. I've never uh, seen it, seen you need a vacation more than this. So really? I hope you have a very yeah, nice wow. time. Yeah, you need a break. Um, you can catch up with me on Instagram. I'm faking it on Twitter, and I, I feel guilty, so I post on Facebook. But really, I enjoy Instagram, <laughs> so catch up with me there, at Spike First, and we'll see you next week on Spike's Car Radio. Real quick before we go, here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage, and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. That's pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Everybody likes free things, right? So help my podcast stay free to download with minimal ads by taking a very quick survey over on Podcast One. Responses will help align the appropriate advertisers to my audience. Maybe there's things I share with all of you that you're not into. Maybe there's things, well, why... (laughs) Why would I share things that they're not into? Don't don't talk about that. I'm going to share what I want. But maybe there's things you think I should be talking about. The survey is short and completely anonymous and takes no more than five minutes. There are two easy ways to begin the survey. Go to www.podcastone.com backslash my survey or go to podcastone.com and click on the survey banner. If you filled a survey out in the past for other shows, we totally appreciate it, but we still need you to do it again. You're doing me a huge favor, me, Spike, a favor, and Podcast One a huge favor by filling it out. So what are you waiting for? Get the survey, fill it out now, and vote Zuckerman off the island.